Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. As an author, as the show host, I get lucky enough to talk to all these fantastic authors. Today is no exception, obviously. I found that I end up getting lucky enough to get all these great authors like Patrick Abbott, who comes on today's show to discuss his book, The Fallen. He also discusses a bit about what's coming up with his next book, The Risen. Patrick was fun to talk with. I've already invited him back because I want to talk with him when his next book comes out. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I enjoy talking with him. You can always find all of his information that I have on authorblurb.com. You can also find all the information on him, other profiles of other authors, articles, whatever I can get, I provide you. I've also developed a page where I have friends of the show that I've started building a network of publishers and different podcasts. So take the time and go see that as well. If you need anything, if you have any questions, if you want to find another way of reaching out to the authors or you want to find out what it was like talking with them, of course, authorblurb.com is a fantastic place to reach out, email me, ask me questions, let me know what I am doing good, what I'm doing wrong, what you want to see me do better. I'm always happy to hear you. You can also do the rating and reviews if you want. I love seeing them because the more you do that, the more people say, well, this might be worth listening to or watching, depending on where you're at. And, of course, share with friends, share with acquaintances, share with the weirdo on the street that you just want to try to end the conversation with. Whatever it is, share it. I'd appreciate it. Other than that, thanks as always. Take the time, listen to the show, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So I'm here with Patrick Abbott, and we're here to discuss his first book, The Fallen, which you know, as anybody that's been following the show is well aware, it's always better for the author to describe themselves, the book, and allow us to get into the conversation that way because, well, I barely go without hacking my own book descriptions. So, Patrick, I appreciate you being here. I've been looking forward to talking with you. Can you go into some details about yourself and your book and let everybody know who you are? Of course, Eric, and thank you for having me on. So I'm Patrick Abbott. I have, if I would need to take a word to describe myself, I would say geographer. I have a bachelor's and master's degree in geography, and I absolutely love studying the world, both physically as a place and also as a place where people live upon. So the different regions, their cultures, their history. And I've been fortunate to travel both professionally and as a tourist to various parts of the world. And the book Fallen really takes inspiration, particularly from my times deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. And while there, I was embedded with various units. I worked with various ethnicities, nationalities, tribes, both allied and local, and it was a fascinating experience that started playing in the back of my mind, and I had no idea what to do with it. I'm, I'm a boring person overall, so while that introduction might seem a little interesting, a nonfiction book nobody would care about after a page. <laughs> but when it came to fiction, I thought, what if our encounters with various cultures, both on a macro level and the micro level of a person, was replicated with sort of an alien first contact. 
And how would that actually play with real people? We have all this various types of science fiction, both near future and distant future, that explored from a thousand different angles, and they do wonderful jobs. But one area where I thought that was lacking is what if aliens were to come, say, tomorrow? And after a few years, we had some form of open communication and working relationship with them. Probably the people who would be at the forefront of the government's efforts, besides the various diplomats, would be people who have experience working with different cultures. And a lot of that is in the military. And when it comes to that, how would that play out in the real world today? Because a lot of people who have interaction with different cultures in the military are from war zone settings. They're mm -hmm. used to being kind of set off and in tough situations. They have the emotional trauma of that. And now they're in a completely new situation. And I played around a little bit with the aliens, having them sort of based on Dari Persian culture, having them look human to have that more element of relatability. But in the book, it's primarily a psychological tell of just the toll a veteran has with PTSD from past battles. Who's now put into an extreme situation of working with the aliens where he's cut off from the government. The government gives them vague orders and they have their own deadlines and demands. The aliens have their own deadlines and demands. And he has to balance all these external pressures while dealing with his internal pressure of just the psychological wounds building up and festering with all this new stress on top of it. And so with Fallen, I one of the points that I take great pride in is I listen to a lot of my friends who had very rough times readjusting to the civilian life, and I had them help me craft the main character of having a realistic person who has post-traumatic stress, who's not having vicious flashbacks every second, which some people have a stereotype, but he's functional, yet this is a real problem that needs to be addressed. And so with a fun sci-fi story, I was able to give voice to my friends. All right. So let me ask this, starting it off. So I have this thought in my mind when I hear the military getting involved is they are gung-ho there because most people, when they do think of the military involvement, it's like you said, war zones, it's fighting, things like that. So does the aliens in the America or the world, whoever is involved in this, do they tend to start off with a war battling? How's it start? How's the relationship start off between the aliens and the Earth? So the first contact incident is only briefly mentioned in the story as a past event. And it's more implied that they just showed up and said hello. What, and you're right, with a lot of science fiction, when it deals with the military, you get this stereotype of oorah gentlemen. And <laughs> it's the Marines who I absolutely love and have a great place in the military. That's not the situation that the main character finds himself in. The Department of Defense, in reality and in the story, is a civilian-run organization that's bureaucratic in nature. It is what it is what it is. It's neither right. good nor bad in that result. And that you have people in the military who, yes, have combat skills, yes, who are equipped to be in that fighting situation. Nobody wants to be in a fight. I've been shelled before. I've been shot at. It is not an enjoyable experience. If you can show force but also use that diplomatically, 
there's a term left of bang. So you do things before any fighting begins. So maybe fighting isn't near necessary. And the main character's background, he's sent up sort of as a military intelligence liaison to the aliens and just saying, hey, I represent military interests. I represent intelligence interests. And to the aliens, he's, if you got questions on Earth, I'm your easy button and I can tell you anything. I can get you fun things. But meanwhile, the government wants him to be, hey, report back to you if you find anything cool or if you just overhear a conversation. All right. So the whole first introduction, all the conflicts, things like that is passed over as a previous event. So when we're starting off your book, The Fallen, it's starting off where they already have the relationship building in what is your character's name? What is the main character? What do we refer to him as? So the main character's full name is Brendan Sean Murphy or Brendan Murphy. And his he kicks off the story right away with waking up in the middle of the night. And it's just him recalling his tr post-traumatic stress dreams of both at combat and at home, the decay of the family. And in the first chapter, it's really his normal day. And he Yes, there's references to in the newspaper, oh, the aliens and the humans are doing this, yay, or there's the new trade deal with this. It's almost background noise while everybody is focused on, well, what does this mean in daily life? That there's going to be fallout, yes, but it's, oh, are there new stock options or is this new job going to be opening up sort of thing? And he has to get through his normal day dealing with disappointment of being back home, the mundaneness of being back home, the survivor guilt of being back home while his friends are not, while everybody else is more in the element and he is struggling just to survive in a normal world. All right. Now, is there some kind of conflict or some kind of challenge with between the aliens and the military? Is Because sci-fi, I'm thinking there's adventure, there's rushing, there's that whole rush um, of adrenaline kind of feeling to it. Does your book go into that or does it focus more as a easy, smooth pattern of this guy's, this Brendan Murphy is trying to go through his life and figure things out and what so have you? On the macro sense, the alien first contact has sort of accelerated trends in the United States and in the globe. The aliens want resources, they don't say why, and in exchange they're willing to give basically trinket technology to them, but use wild technology to us. And that has really emphasized the haves and have nots, both economically and also amongst world powers. So while the aliens themselves aren't coming across as hostile, their presence is just disrupting everything. Imagine how one Native American tribe getting guns and horses just completely disrupts the whole prairie political system even before the Europeans fully arrive. And in the micro sense, at the end of the first chapter, Brendan's just going back on the subway to go back home. And there's a hostage situation where humans who are against the alien presence for various reasons have taken some aliens who are just tourists hostage. And Brendan just having the worst day of his life times 1,000, like every other day, interferes with that. He saves the aliens. He's wounded. He's rescued by the aliens who patch him up and they go, oh, well, thank you for helping our guys out. Have a nice day. And the government then uses that to, oh, you, you like Brendan? You like that human? 
how would you like him to be embedded with you? And they basically tell Brennan, this is great. This is your foot in the door. Congratulations, you're having a new high stress situation. <laughs> so basically high stress dealing with PST, PS, post-traumatic stress. Post-traumatic. Yep. Yes. I don't know why I never do initials very well and it just always kills me. But Letters are hard. <laughs> that is true. So with all this going on in his life, a family on boot of it because just being single and dealing with everything, family also adds an element of relief and stress at the same time. What does does his family play a big part in it or is it the family's in the background. So it's in the background, but it does play a major part. Brendan's character right away is a widower. And in his situation, which is based on a friend's situation, he came back from a deployment and his wife was having an affair and left him. And that just adds to the stress. It adds to the loneliness. Part of the initial driver in the story and throughout the story is that amongst the aliens, he befriends them. And that's naturally his job and he and an alien named espers begin a sort of relationship well first curiosity then friendship then maybe something else and it's he has to balance his friendships with his loyalties and also with his past pains because one of the major themes throughout the book is just the cultural exchange people deployed out can do things that are perfectly normal and it just disrupts everything a good case example, uh, and in the story, this leads to trauma for Brendan. But for me, when I was in Afghanistan once, I was talking to an Afghan elder, and I gave him a thumbs up, meaning yes. Dead silence. <laughs> then everybody starts laughing because apparently, with that pastoon in that area, thumbs up basically means I can take you on. And so <laughs> I was telling the tribal chief in front of his tribesmen, I can take you on. Thankfully, they realize, oh, it's just an American being an American. But later on, another group of Americans were going by, and all of a sudden, everybody started giving them thumbs up. And one <laughs> of the Americans who knew what the thumbs up meant went on the radio and said, they're like challenging all of us to a fight. What's going on? And we had right. to explain, no, they're just making fun of me. Don't worry about that. But with Brendan in the story, he, there's just various small things that he might do, various small things that the aliens will do. And it's sometimes played off as a joke. Sometimes it's, hey, are you just playing or was that an actual insult? And it's that cross-cultural communication angle that sort of spices up the story throughout. All right. Now, you've mentioned a few times about how different situations of friends, people that you've known through time have played a part in the story. Do the people that you've involved, have you had them read the stories? Have you let them know that parts of their lives are part of the book? Or how have you addressed that out of curiosity? They have been a major player throughout the book. When uh, COVID just was going down and we were in the shutdown, I was able to do a lot of courses and whatnot. And I'm a coach now. And one of the things I've always thought about doing was writing a novel or writing down a story. And one of my fellow coaches just said, well, what's stopping you? You right. have the time. But I thought, well, okay. And at first I thought it was going to be just a one, two page draft outline. And then I call it a day. 
and I was talking to a lot of my friends and they got really excited. And I was, oh man, this this is a fun sketch. Do do the next step, do the next step. And it just kept evolving. And when I decided what Brendan's character would be, I would ask my friends who I was basing some of these horrible traumatic incidents on that, is it all right if I can play this off as what happened to Brendan or fictionalize it? And each and every one was very positive and supporting because they knew I wasn't just going to do a caricature. I was going to show humanity in the situation and I was going to show that the struggle was real. And in various different parts, I would have my friends kind of look through the various levels of draft and say, is this something you would reasonably do? And sometimes it was, yeah. And other times it was, no, that's dumb. And Brendan wouldn't do that either. He would do X, Y, Z. And it led to a formalized process of wargaming out situations where if I had writer's block, I'd have groups of friends kind of act out the various roles, <laughs> almost like role playing. They would figure out what would happen. And just the exchange of these friends saying, Espers wouldn't do that. She's not a coward. She would do X, Y, Z. Or Brendan, Brendan would stand up right here. He's not just going to fold over. It was, okay, these characters are actually alive to many people. And it made it fun and both finishing up Fallen and now working on its sequel, Risen, it makes the characters more alive. It gives them justice. And it's, I just can't, and I don't mean to knock anybody's other work, but the last season of Game of Thrones, a lot of the characters became sh shadows of themselves. It prevents characters from becoming shadows of themselves. All right. So it sounds like the characters in not just the main characters, but from what you've said, all the characters have people reviewing, checking, and making sure that all the military stresses and military actions that these friends of yours have gone through are represented accurately and fully. And it's not, like you said, a shadow of the symptom. It's real life situations that brings the character, brings Brennan more into reality in your sci-fi book. Yes. So you said you're writing a sequel now called Risen. So let's, without trying to give too much away on The Fallen, well, actually, before I start that, how does the name The Fallen come to be? What what made you write, name it The Fallen? Well, I gave it the title Fallen uh, several levels. One of them's a spoiler, and I won't go into that one. Okay. But it uh, deals with how creation itself both naturally is fallen, it's not its full potential, that traumas of life can bring people to a fallen state, and just the various things we do to ourselves can even lower us further. And kind of tying it with Risen, it's there's a choice to two things, that we are affected by outside things, and that can be very traumatic, but there's also hope if we work for things. And both on a coaching level and then just helping friends through various difficult times. That's a very important aspect to focus on when healing. And this book, I guess its whole genesis deals with healing both for my own minor struggles redeploying and their epic struggles of redeploying and then just being a coach of life is a saga. It is a cycle. It is a choice. Mm -hmm. and we go through these steps. And we don't necessarily have to be at the end state of being fallen. 
because Brendan's character arc in the first book, there's the ups, there's traumatic downs, and it swings up towards the end. And it's because of his choices, because of the support from friends. And Fallen is trying to hook people into, oh, let's read a fun sci-fi story. What does this Fallen mean? Especially the spoiler one. But hopefully I can get them with the, wow, life is healing too. All right. And then is there any um, hints or little previews that you can discuss about Fallen without giving away too much about that before we go into what you're working on with your second book? Yeah. uh, So Brendan goes through a Fallen state himself. After he's deployed out, the alien's agenda is mysterious and drives a major aspect of the story. And also outside events of both a dysfunctional government and increasing violent political tears in the United States add fuel to the fire. Thankfully, he has friends. But uh, how many friends are actually his friends? I understand. All right. So he's dealing with a lot. Sounds like betrayal and other things that are occurring there as well. So we say, I just finished reading Fallen. I'm head over heels. I'm in love with the story, and I want to go on to your next book. Obviously, from when we started talking, or at least before we started recording, you said it's going to be out sometime in 23. So I'm waiting for that. What am I waiting for? What kind of story is coming to me that is going to expand on to the Fallen? Well, the story of Risen basically is elements both on Earth and amongst the Sabia. The tensions cannot hold forever, so that must be resolved. Brendan is in a much better place, but the uh, final stresses have to be exercised as well. Trust and full disclosure of honesty amongst everybody has to be resolved as well. And uh, if you like Fallen, hopefully Risen will tie up some of the questions that Fallen leaves you at the end while continuing the great lore building that is in the first book. All right. And are you planning on this being a long series or a two-book series trilogy? Do you have further plans for it? So really, uh, initially, I wanted just to write one book. Right. (laughs) Tell you, one book is just so easy. You get it done, you're done. (laughs) Uh, When I was plotting everything out and outlining it, I realized there's really two parts to it. And there are two parts to it, not three or a trilogy or anything like that. So in and of itself, what I've told friends is Brendan's saga is two parts. That must be told. And once Risen is done, that is the end of his saga. The nice thing is if for whatever reason I decide to write more because, you know, I have all the free time in the world. Well, we all do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If I wanted to spin off within the universe, there are plenty of opportunities from the Sabia angle, from the Earth angle, from everywhere in between where Brendan could even be a side character. But his cycle very much will be complete after Risen. All right. And what are some of the other characters in your books that people should pay attention to that in case you do decide to do a spinoff or something like that? Because there's always that character you're sitting there going, I think they could be somebody to do something with. So do you have a specific one? Or well, the uh, three other main characters in Fallen and Risen that really need to be paid attention to and stuff could be spun off either with them or related to them, depending on their character outcome, are the the other human character who is in the background for much, but not all of Fallen, 
Malcolm McAndrews. He is uh, Brendan's former friend from the military days. However, they've split over politics. Malcolm is much more radical. The alien arrival even further radicalized them. And he basically is, everything's gone to crap. We have to get rid of this situation, just start things anew. We need a new strong leader. All the bad negative trends of totalitarianism. Brandon, meanwhile, is, hey, it's hard being a veteran. I get that. Sometimes the corruption really gets to us. we got to work within the system, reform, don't be violent. Meanwhile, on the Sabia front, uh, the two Sabia, Brandon really interacts with our Espers, who is a doctor, and she is based on several friends. She's more of a composite than any other one particular friend. And also Barina, who is based on one particular friend, uh, she is a pilot. She's a she really enjoys being deployed out to Earth. It's oh wow! I'm this is basically a paid vacation for me. It's all seeing <laughs> new cultures. She is probably the funnest character to write because there's a fun quality to her. She's a great friend to Brendan. She also will call out crap. She doesn't take crap, and it's just sort of the deployment buddy we all wish we had. All right. Now, are there any viewpoints written? from the aliens' perspectives, or is it all from the human perspective so far? So about 90% of the book are the regular chapters, and that is from Brendan's perspective. All right. Uh, both what he sees and what he thinks. There are small little interludes, which will tell a scene from the either alien point of view or another human's point of view. And those do a good job of one, advancing the story, two, giving insight to the how the aliens view themselves, and each uh, the humans. And that's also good because we always think deployed out, oh, the Russians are doing this or the French are doing this or the Afghans are doing this. They're people like us. They have a bunch of different opinions. And it also the interludes also do a good job, the shortest ones talking from various human characters of what is going on behind, not necessarily behind Brendan's back, but beyond his view that sometimes justifies his fears or other times show that he has one perspective, but there's another okay. thing going on. All right. And is there very much in, because you mentioned earlier about the cultural conflicts that you've experienced with Af in Afghanistan and, uh, and while you're deployed in different places, do you bring, what kind of cultural differences do you bring to the aliens versus the people of Earth? Well, um, Without getting into what's revealed too much later on, one right. of the things that's noticed early on by Brendan is the aliens aren't necessarily a matriarchy, but women are occupying more of the positions of power and influence. And the ones he'll deal with on a ground level initially are men. But when he starts talking about, oh, this is, I'm Brendan, this is what I do. This is what it's like growing up in a family in Kansas. This is what it's like being a citizen who votes. This is what my religion is. It's not that the aliens mock him, because when we interact with Afghans or Iraqis, we don't mock them, but sometimes there might be cultural miscues of laughing, because isn't that so funny that Iraqis do this? But on the aliens' sake, it's, what do you mean you take your father's last name? Shouldn't it be your mother? She's the family head. And it's these little things that just build up on top of each other. Or what do you mean you have to go back to your boss and decide? You're the representative. You do it. 
And it's all these little cultural plays that you really wouldn't know unless you've worked internationally, either in the military or professionally. All right. And you said that you've developed this, the aliens off of a Pakistani group. What did you bring from them into the aliens? Well, uh, the Dari culture especially, which is more Afghanistan, Tajikistan, is basically, this is a rule of thumb. So anybody out there who's really in-depth, please forgive me, there's sort of a time capsule of old Persian culture, old Iranian culture. Mm -hmm. So things I brought uh, into from reality into the story was more of a Zoroastrian-based religion more of a mystical ideal of government, more of an authoritarian ideal of government. That's not necessarily bad. It's, hey, there's bosses and you follow the boss. And it's not like, oh, you entrust your deputies to do anything. Also, a lot of the mythology of their origins, uh, their religion will play a role in the book. I bring that into play. And a lot of the names too are based on Persian or Dari names and they have meaning behind them that if you are really aware of the culture, you would get right away, but it's kind of broken out in little pieces over time in the book that you can put together at the end. All right. And you said you base the religion off of what they, the Persians, the, and I'm a hack the name if I actually said the group properly, but from the group you focused on, did you, when you based the religion, did you use the majority of it or did you start developing a whole religion off of that and expand it to something else? It's definitely not space Zoroastrian. It borrows a lot of the concepts. And Zoroastrianism, for anybody who doesn't know, is a more or less monotheic religion that was around in Iran and the Persian parts of Central Asia prior to the arrival of Islam. And it was some elements were so similar that when the Muslims first encountered them, they thought this is either some form of weird Judaism or Christianity, but it's close enough to be considered a valid religion. It wasn't just, oh, this is paganism. It has to be destroyed. And the what plays into the book is that there is a fundamentally good God that is poorly well-defined, but uh, borrowing from other Middle Eastern faiths like Manchism, this to be a basically worship the angels of that God and their origin story relies a lot into that, that whatever happened in the beginning, these angels came to them and have always kind of looked out for them. And it is weird to them to have a religion that addresses the divine being because they are more of a mystical religion where there's different layers and you can't get too close. So when Brendan's just talking about his faith, Some of them are really off-put, like you go directly to the divinity, and others are, oh, this is kind of neat and weird. All right, so does that interaction of the aliens' cultures in the Earth cultures, do they tend to interact or intermingle in the sense of some of the alien culture is leaking into the Earth culture and vice versa? Not really. Uh, What I would kind of relate it to is what happens on military bases overseas, that a lot of people, both locals and the military, just see themselves so culturally different in war zones, they'll try to keep interactions to a minimum. 
that's partially survival because who wants to hang out with people with guns all that much? Right. We'll get those who will be curious and who will ask questions, but getting too much of one other's culture can lead to culture shock. And when, for instance, one of the times Brendan's talking about his culture, Esper starts getting uncomfortable and tries to tap it down just because it is so different to her, while Barina, who's on her own expedition, wants to press for more. All right. Now, the other characters, how much of a of a um, part do they play in Brennan's part in the story dealing with the aliens? Is, are they a side minor characters, or do they tend to be something to push along the story, or do they have a very strong part in the whole Fallen? When Brennan is on the alien ship, he's... Not cut off from humanity, but communications are just difficult and hard. And so, really, they are background. There is a time. There are times, though, when Brendan goes back to Earth via delegation or something else, and these characters play a major role because everybody has their own expectations, everybody has their own goals, everybody has wants Brendan to do a certain thing, and he has to balance all these because. Some of it is extra work to do. Some of it is, might be contradictory to the goals of another. So he has to balance those out. Some of the goals that someone wants him to do are hostile completely to other goals. And so it's, oh my gosh, I'm getting very little support here. Everybody wants a different thing from me. I really don't have one person where I can just divulge everything to because they'll go, wait, what? Who are you talking to? And it's just that internal struggle. The main antagonist in the story isn't necessarily one particular person or particular side. It's his PTSD that is building up over time. All right. So the main antagonist almost sounds like a um, him. He's the pro and antagonist all in one, dealing with his own, like you said, PSTD and being able to adjust the balance between what he's dealing with and all the stuff that's going on in his head does. And you said he eventually gets it under, under control. Is there somebody that he's talking to about this, about his concerns, about his nightmares, about what happened, or is he trying to handle it all himself? Initially, he tries to handle it all himself, which mirrors what many people with PTSD do. It's an internal struggle. It's, oh, I, I, I'm just down. I just am blue. Then it's, okay, this is a problem, but I can deal with it. And over time, with many people, it's a slow opening up. And if you know anybody who has PTSD, just be willing to listen and understand that this is hard for them to acknowledge like it is for Brendan. And so when a person reaches out, don't be afraid if they don't tell you everything, which Brendan slowly does. But then it's also on the other foot, too. If you're reaching out to people and if you have PTSD, there is hope. Don't necessarily read in the worst intentions of other people's actions because that also happens to Brendan. All right. And is there some incidences you can discuss without giving away plots or is that something we need to avoid so we don't give spoilers? Let's not give spoilers. If you are really interested, <laughs> right. Fallen is available on Amazon. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, let's do it this way then. 
because I don't want to take up too much of your time today. And as we mentioned, time is definitely short for a lot of things. Plus, I want to make sure I let you have time to write that second book a bit. So where can people find you? Where do you like people to contact you? I know you've given me a bunch of places to find your book, to contact you, your website and all this that I have on the show notes and on your profile on authorblurb.com. Where's your personal favorite place for people to reach out to you? Well, either through the website, www.patrickabbott.net, or my uh, Twitter, at Patrick K. Abbott. Uh, Those are great places to contact me. All right, perfect. So with that being said, I'm not going to take up too much of your time. Like I said, I really appreciate you being on. I've been looking forward to talking with you. So with that being said, this is the end of everybody else's listening to us talk. But if you can hold on for a minute, I'd like to talk to you a little bit more. Yeah, of course. Perfect. Thank you. I'm glad you made it this far to the end of the show. I hope you've enjoyed it because that's what it's all about. I'd also like to suggest that you take the time and go find the other authors that are here. Find that author that you're going to love and you're going to want to share. It's all about the authors and that's why I'm here. Now, if you enjoy the show, I'd like to ask you to do me a favor. If you think it's worth it, go to the website, authorblurb.com. You can donate money, donate crypto, buy me a cup of coffee, things like that that helps me support keeping the show going. Right now, I don't do anything to try to delay, add, distract you. Everything's out of my pocket and everything is meant to make authors be able to grow their audience and grow your attention. So as always, thank you for being here. I hope you come back for the next show and again, Take the time, explore authorblurb.com. There's a lot there that you will be very happy to take the time to enjoy. And as final note, rate, review, shoot me an email through authorblurb.com. That way you can at least let me know what you think. I'm happy to always see reviews and hear what you think. Thank you. Have a good day.